Striking while the iron's hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike podcast. Sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at seekandstrikecollective.com. to a special edition of We Are Seek and Strike podcast. On this episode, we'll be talking about University of New Mexico Lobo women's soccer, uh, doing more of a season in review of their 2020 season. So for this episode, I wanted to bring on some friends who also cover the team from different vantage points. I'll definitely introduce them uh, as they uh, enter into the, the lobby here. But in the meantime, let's talk a little bit more. Uh, this season, we were able to introduce a 1v1 type of show um, for mainly the purpose of sitting down with some of the Lobo players and kind of highlighting their story off of the pitch leading up to match day. Uh, we also did a good bit of written coverage, uh, some match previews, and as well as um, you know doing some recaps, things of the nature. Next season, we plan to increase the coverage of the Lobos through a new podcast called Raise Some Howl. And, uh, you know, so sit back and enjoy as we, uh, as we talk a little bit Lobos this season and their, uh, their season review. And how's it going? And my first guest on the show, a little early, and we're just going to go ahead and go with it, um, is uh, none other than Brandon Ortega, uh, who's a news reporter for uh, KOB, and uh, also joining us is uh, the man himself, Tyler Ortega, uh, who is a play-by-play uh, announcer for uh, Lobo Women's Soccer as well as New Mexico United. And he's also done, uh, I believe, NMAA, right? That yeah. is correct. <laughs> Is my Very can you nice. hear me? Yeah, we got you. You guys right. hear me okay? Oh yeah, you're good. We we're didn't good. even plan it out this way. We just we yeah, we just kind of jumped on this way. Yeah, it was it was perfect. You guys are good. I uh, I just did a little intro on uh we are seek and strike podcast talking about you know this uh special edition uh that we're doing covering uh Lobo Women's Soccer season review, so to say. And uh you guys just popped in perfectly, so you know. Uh, I thought, you know, you guys could, if each of you could give the listeners um, a little bit more about each of what you do, because uh, I I don't think I will do it justice. I mean, I've just kind of given a little tidbit, but I'd love to, for the, you to talk to the listeners, tell them what you guys do. Tyler, you go first. Cool. Uh, yes, I am Tyler. I, as Chris mentioned, I do the play-by-play on ESPN Plus and Estrella for New Mexico United, uh, and I also do the color commentary for Lobo Women's Soccer, um, do double as play-by-play when JJ is not able to make it. So I uh, was able to do that a couple of times this year. And then, uh, yes, I do uh, a lot of work there for Proby Networks uh, as far as the NMAA goes as well. Yeah, and then for myself, I'm a sports anchor reporter at KOB. Um, cover as much as we possibly can in the world of New Mexico sports, Lobo Women's Soccer included been a big fan of heather dyke ever since uh, i arrived in albuquerque three years ago she's she's been awesome to work with 
And it was really neat to say the least to watch them have the season that they had, uh, you know, historic season for sure. Being able to cover that was cool. Would have loved to go to North Carolina, but what was going on? Oh yeah. I was, um, I was signing to buy a house that week. So it was a little hard to, to skip town. <laughs> I had to be there and sign it. So. Right on. And also joining us is a uh, JJ Buck. Um, also part of the, the broadcast team for Love Women's Soccer. And uh, JJ, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself as far as some of the things you do as well? Oh, goodness. I like long walks on the beach under the moonlight. And uh, no, uh, <laughs> um, for me, I'm just a guy like everyone else that loves sports. And my way to be a part of it is in broadcasting. I've been lucky enough to uh, get into some play-by-play working with University of New Mexico, among other things. And soccer, um, actually... <clears throat> Calling games for UNM is how I got into soccer in the first place back seven, eight years ago with the Lobo men's soccer team. I started calling their games and fell in love with the game. And ever since, I enjoy it. And these opportunities have been fantastic. Right on, right on. Well, uh, yeah, gentlemen, I'm I'm glad that we could have you on. Uh, Adri couldn't be on. She got her second shot and also has some dental work. So shout out to Adri. Um, you know, rest up, get well. Um, so that brings it to the, the four of us. So you know, let's just start off the top. Uh, thoughts on the conference season format this year and the early projection of the Lobos finishing third overall? Early projection for next year? Well, no, just for... for you mean you go coming into this year? Yeah, coming into this year, exactly. Like, yeah, what were your thoughts well, about I that? I think they finished, um, like, uh, the year before this season, which feels like 10 years ago at this point. They they lost what in the second round of the conference tournament or something. So yeah. I feel like conference tournaments base a lot of what people predict. You know the next season uh, as far as like, how far teams are going in the conference tournament. So yeah, I thought that was maybe a little bit of a you know underestimation on people who votes parts. But um, so yeah, like preseason for sure they were underestimated. Um, I mean, look the the only conference season for mountain west teams you know it's it's either it's it's no room for error and the lobos you know rose to the occasion for sure it was uh i mean we've seen other teams in uh, other athletic teams for unm you'll really fall short in that format and so it says a lot about how good the women's soccer team was this year to take advantage of the little opportunity they had to get themselves into the cross divisional championship and then eventually win that in overtime so yeah it was uh i for sure they were underestimated but it kind of comes with the territory when you don't go to the conference championship once again maybe that's kind of my take on it gentlemen what do you think well i think for new mexico i think they did get one first place vote so it was more of san diego state got the credit because they've been the team that's been there done that in this league for quite some time and we see that a lot with preseason polls. It's not necessarily just the only thing that you saw last year, but a lot of it is just, you know, sometimes you don't get to see everyone. And thus you just go with, all right, who's kind of been good over the last few years. And that definitely was San Diego state, but the format of this season, I think the mountain West got it right. I think it made sense to play two divisions. You played everyone twice. So they could really just focus in on getting these games in not having too many crossovers and just getting to the point where they can have that final 
and then send the team to the NCAA tournament. Um, I give them two thumbs up for that because I know there was a lot of questions leading into that final game, but I think getting there, um, they did a good job of at least giving these teams an opportunity to play. Yeah, I, I really got to agree with these, these other two guys, especially, you know, with the formatting, um, trying to reduce travel uh, as far as what that looked like. We know how how difficult uh, it was for, you know, New Mexico as, as a state in terms of even being able to have these games, period. Um, so I, I do think, like like JJ said, the conference got it right. Um, and, and, you know, when it comes to these preseason polls, they're hardly, hardly ever right, um, I'd like to say, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, San Diego State, they've always they've been a team to beat over the last, uh, you know, number of years. Um, but I think that also speaks volume to, you know, what Heather Dyke was able to do. Um, not only her, but I mean, the, the girls on the field as well. Uh, they were tremendous. Yeah, I think it was just when I was looking at it, I was like, well, OK, you know, based on the way that the division split, I was like, well, then, I mean, I guess that makes the Lobos like first in their division. Right. I mean, just by default, just on how they had that that sort of finish and. You know, but the only thing I thought was, I hope that this isn't going to be like a, a three-way tie, you know, for first, like it's like it's been in previous seasons, right, where they had a share of a title, you know, because those things can certainly go that way. And it, it you know, it could have gone that way for sure. Um, so the Lobos returned everyone this year, you know, to their roster. So obviously they had kind of like a mega supreme season, like on their hands, you know, obviously there were, there were bright spots to the roster, but what were some of the silver linings that you guys discovered into the season? I think for me, the biggest story that stood out was Gwen Malley. Um, she was someone that tore ACL last spring. And if they had played in the fall, she wouldn't have played this season because she's going to med- medical school. So she would not have taken a red shirt year to return to play soccer. So her finally getting cleared late in December into January and then being able to play the spring season. And you know, we saw how fantastic she was. Her like, goal per minute was just unbelievable, you know, and, and what she was able to do just not even 12 months from a ACL injury and then leading this team up top with not just the way she played, but the, the leader she is in the locker room. I think there's a lot of good stories, but that was definitely my favorite this year. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of say, I think for me, like, Emily Johnson coming back, right, after being out last year, she was injured, you know, so coming back and being able to play this season full on, um, I think was kind of special as well. I mean, it, it was obviously a different sort of twist. I mean, Heather said just when I talked to her during the season that, you know, for her, you know, she she was always, you know, part of the team. And even when they're on the sideline, when they're injured, they're still a part of it actively and they're still, you know, encouraging their 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 teammates and whatnot. So I thought that that was incredible. The other thing I thought was very interesting, too, is that, you know, she definitely or Emily definitely could have had, you know, obviously been credited for more clean sheets. Right. But there were the instances where, you know, Tiana Taylor came on, you know, with the, the final couple of minutes. Right. So then it wasn't really something credited for her. But then that kind of just speaks more about how they're like a team first type of squad. And it's not so much about those those um, personal records, if you will. But I thought that was also just good for them, for her to kind of spread around some of the experience, right? Because that's how these players get that, that experience when they're freshmen, sophomores by, you know, coming into these big like games that mean something. Yeah. And the pressure was on Emily to perform too, because Malia went down pretty early in the season and they were a great one, two punch in the net, two great options for coach Dyke to go to. But when she went down, it was kind of all on Emily. And uh, I mean, but look, she's got a great back line. 
the defense as a whole, you know, that whole back line, the whole unit defensively was, I would say, easily the best in the Mountain West, one of the best in the nation this year. So you got to give credit to the entire defense, you know, that helped Emily out. Yeah, so, uh, I know I'm good. I was just going to say I'm I'm kind of along the lines as as JJ there with with Gwen, um, you know, just like he said, she wasn't even going to be able to play had this been taking place in the fall like it, it normally was. And the thing was, she led the team in goals. Uh, she was scoring at a ridiculous rate, and she wasn't even playing uh, the full match. You know, she was being subbed out uh, at least once every single half. Um, bringing on Maddie Hirschman or Alicia Garcia, it doesn't even matter. The Lobos were so, so deep this year, uh, but Gwen always found a way to to find the back of the net. Um, and especially coming off of a knee injury like that, the game of soccer, uh, it, it's tough. You know, you're, you're always worried about somebody sliding into you when you're taking those shots. Is the defender going to get in there and, you know, you know maybe throw a slide, whatever. Um, but I, I thought Gwen was, was absolutely... Uh, the biggest part, I think, of, of the Lobos' offense this year. Well, and to bounce, bounce off of that, I mean, the Lobos lost Leilani Baker after yes. three matches. And, I mean, she was a very big part of their attack. I mean, very defensive, very like, you know, she, she was a stalwart that way, but then also, you know, very fast, just a lot of speed. Yeah, her, you know. speed, her speed for sure is her biggest strength. And, you would have thought they would have missed that a lot, but they made up for it in different ways. They, they weren't necessarily the fastest team without her, but man, the execution, you know, in the passing, Alicia Garcia, Jaden Edwards, I feel like we have to include in this uh, conversation of impact players, not only as goal scorers, they were two, two of the top goal scorers uh, behind Mally, but man, their playmaking ability was fantastic. And it showed up at the most uh, really at the end of the season, in the overtime of the cross-divisional match and then in the NCAA tournament, um, those two were just fantastic down the stretch. You know, and, and for what they, they lost in speed from Alicia, or not Alicia, but Leilani, you know, they, yeah. they made up all around uh, everywhere else. Maddie Hirschman, you really can't say enough about her. She was coming off the bench routinely, you know, 25, 30 minutes into to the first half. Um, and not only her, but you mentioned Jaden Edwards, uh, incredibly fast as well. So that really keeps those defenders on their toes. And Gwen Malley is not the fastest player on the pitch. We all know that. Uh, but the players that she was surrounded by were. Uh, so, I, yeah, the, just the depth was, I, I thought, incredible. Yeah, I mean, some of those goals that were scored, I mean, just ridiculous. I mean, if you remember one of the first ones that, what was it, uh, Jaden Edwards with this, like, like sort of a, like, alley-oop, sort of a a pass over to Leilani Baker on a first touch. Am I am I framing that goal correctly, JJ? I think it was in Colorado State, maybe. Yeah, the, the Colorado's right or in maybe the that, first game of the season, you know, you saw right away they responded, you know, four goals um off the bat after giving up the first goal in the first half. And then uh the way they played, I think what you look at this team and, and they're so talented. And as we we'll go through this I was, you know, looking down. I had my final board still because I couldn't take it apart from the, from the Mountain West final. I keep looking at this, going, "Man, that was such an amazing experience." But there's 40 players on this roster. That is an insane amount of players on the roster. Some are redshirting, some are injured, but still to keep that many players engaged. And when you looked out on the sidelines, the players that were out, they were still there. 
They were on their crutches. They were being a part of the team. And so that starts at the top with Heather to get all these players to play that hard in spurts, whether it's Maddie coming off the bench, you know, Gwen working her way back in as part of the starting lineup coming off the injury, but everyone being okay with that. And I think the, the why they were so good this year is because they did have that appreciation of the game was taken away from them for a year. They had no idea what was going to happen. And when the game came together, they realized that even a roster of this size, you're going to have your opportunity to compete. Because even at the end of the season, um, you look down, you know, Paris McKenzie wasn't available. And she was someone that was coming right in, whether it was for Mesa Walters or Alexa Curtin. Um, she wasn't there, and they were still clicking. So I think it's just an unbelievable statement to their character when you look at a 40-person roster. And there wasn't a story that came out. There wasn't a coach that I talked to on the side going, man, this person is just not good. No, it wasn't that. It was, this is great. Everyone's locked in. And it paid off. Right on. Um, so what were some matches you, you guys look forward to either from a reporting standpoint or broadcasting? I mean, gee, I mean, looking back at the season, I mean, you know, the San Diego State one cross divisional um, certainly stands out. Boy, uh, it was a it was a mix of. The Lobos did have, like, I think maybe a third of the season were close matches. And then there was another third where they dominated. There was only one match where they lost 1-0 um, in the Mountain West schedule. I don't know. It's, it's I mean, the San Diego State match stands out, like, head and shoulders above every other match because of the stakes. It went to overtime. It was in Albuquerque. It was the only match, and I, I mean, JJ and, and Tyler got to stay for every minute of all the home matches, but that was the only one for myself where I got to watch every single minute because um, most of the time we get to go for like a half or, yeah, like first or second half, and then we have to get back to the studio. So that was the only match I got to see in person. It happened to be, from from start to finish, it was the only one I got to see. And, yeah, I think it's easy to say that was the best one. Or I think for me, I I still love every match. You know, getting this opportunity, I still get you know those those little jitters right before game time, just broadcasting. So for me, it's it's I look forward to every game because I, I cherish the opportunity. But there's no doubt about it. It was the Mountain West Final had such a great vibe to it, especially you know, you know 1,500 people in attendance, and we haven't been to events with people for like over a year. And then you finally started trickling during soccer season. There's a couple hundred, but then to see the amount of people that showed up for the final, that was awesome. And then, you know, Tyler has the Trump card though, outside of that, that four goal game for Alicia Garcia, you know, that's just one of those unbelievable moments that, you know, 20, 25 years from now, it still might be, Oh, Alicia Garcia is the only Lobo to score four goals at home. Yeah. What was going through your mind calling that one, Tyler? That's pretty amazing four goals no yeah and that's at, exactly. at level too yeah right no and and that was actually going to be my answer i think it was against colorado college that game um that was a, the first one that i did solo jj was uh i think doing the the women's nit uh basketball game so i had never seen colorado college before um to be honest i hadn't even heard of colorado college before uh before that game so uh you know early in the match alicia garcia she scores that first goal and I'm just kind of looking through the media guide. Uh, you know, it's been this long since somebody scored uh, two goals in a game, this long since somebody scored three goals in a game. And I saw that 
record, the the four goal uh, in one game. And I was like, you know, I just kind of, I read it, I glanced over it. I was like, whatever. Uh, and then once that fourth goal went in, I knew exactly what page that was on. And I went back um, and yeah, that was, that was one of those games, you know, as a, a broadcaster that, that you'll never forget. Um, it was, it was really special. Um, so that, that one has to be my pick of the lot. Did she score a PK to begin that night or was that another match? I think it was another match. I think all four goals were from O play. Yeah. I think you're right on that. Crazy. Um, JJ, what, you know, you got to obviously do some of that post-match like presser or Q and a, uh, what were some of your favorite moments, um, you know, after matches, like, you know, some of the different players you talked to or coach, like was just some of the moments that were, were kind of memorable to you? Well, it was different this year. So really the, the final was the first time um, I, I really got a chance to interact with anyone because I actually had to go do the, the PCR testing to get inside the bubble for the final. Um, but for, for myself, it's just kind of just sitting back and listening. You know, what the players experienced, you know, what was going through their minds, you know, how they feel about things. And it's, you know, listening to Jaden Edwards or Gwen Malley and getting their stories about the season or, or why things are working. And, you know, we hear so many cliches in sports and sometimes you're like, okay, whatever, it's, it's a cliche. But they, they, they are around for a reason um, because when, when they work, they make a lot of sense. And that was with this soccer team is whether you're talking with Heather because she's such a fantastic manager of people and not just a coach and that's what stands out kind of going back to my roster comment is because she never puts it on herself she knows how good she is like the the resource that heather is for the university of mexico is unbelievable her connection in the world of soccer and then of course with working with the u.s you know u.s women's national team and the U side etc like she's unbelievable anytime you're around her you never get that sense that she's bigger than anyone else and that goes through her team and they are excellent student athletes to be around and have those conversations because they make you want to listen because you care and you you know that they care about what is going on at that time. Well, and here's the thing I want to throw out there is that local women's soccer really hasn't gotten a whole lot of coverage over the years, right? I mean, like there really aren't a lot of people that are having them on podcast or writing about them other than like, you know, what the school provides itself, you know, through the athletic department or, you know, JJ, what you may do or Brandon, what you may do. But it's like, you know, this year, I think they really got a ton of coverage. Um, and, and so I kind of want to pass it over to Brandon because I know that you had some Lobos, you know, that you did like some interviews with as well. I mean, I want to kind of hear about some of the, the, you know, different interviews you did, maybe some of the moments that you thought were, were, were you know, that impressed you or, you know, that kind of stuck out to you. Well, you know what's crazy is the first interview I even did with them towards the this past season was actually when they uh, – did you guys see the story when they hiked up La Luz? Did you guys catch that? They, they hiked up La Luz as part of the nationwide uh, collegiate athletic um, student athletes around the country working out to um, – to 8.46 miles in, 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 in honor of George Floyd's passing. Did you guys catch catch what they were doing with that? I definitely heard about it, but I'm interested yeah. to know more about Yeah, so, I want to hear more okay, about okay, that. So, so the day before they did it, someone, t- I think the women's soccer t- Twitter tweeted out, we're going to go up La Luz. 
And I, at the time, I, you know, I've only been here a couple of years. At the time, I was like, what's La Luz? That, that sounds interesting. And I called Coach. I was like, Coach, what's going on with La Luz? Like, are, are they? She kind of filled me in. And I was like, can I tag along? And now, mind you, we're still very much in the heart of the pandemic. So, you know, no one's doing anything in person. So she's like, I would love for you to join them. So she put, put me in touch with Kate Browning. And Kate gives me the lowdown. Yeah, we're meeting at, oh my God, what was it? 7.30 a.m. At, uh, at this spot of La Luz. And then we're going to hike up it, whatever it was. I think the hike is just short of eight miles. And then when they got to the top, they walked for another mile to fill the, uh, the number that they were going for. So anyway... So I did it. I, I I got my son to school early, got to the trail in time. I got dropped off so then I could be picked up at the top of the mountain. Yeah, and I hiked up the entire La Luz Trail, which, again, I didn't even know what that was until I started Googling it the night before. And I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be a lot. <laughs> this is this is it's over seven miles up Sandia Mountain. So, um, yeah, you know, so socially distant, you know, we all. We're walking up together. Like, Did you do it with a camera? That's the question. So um, I was smart about it. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, pat myself on the back here. I did not take the big camera, but I, I mean the technology we have now. All you need is a phone. So I had two different phones where I was getting either footage, following them. I put some on the ground so the girls could walk by the phone. Um, yeah, I, I'll send you guys the link. It was so. Man, I mean, you, I don't know if any of you guys have done La Luz, but I, mean, I think all of us have at least been to Sandia Peak and, you know, seen the, uh, you know, the view up top. And, yeah, the views along the way are, are breathtaking. And uh, we were having a lot of great conversations, you know, from a good social distance. This is what June or July or something when it was happening. So, you know, we're we're in the belly of the beast when it comes to the pandemic. So, um, yeah, for me, like, that was hard to top. Like, I, I got to spend, eesh north of four or five hours with them hiking up. And then we hung out for a little bit when we got to the top and we did the interview portion of, of what was my assignment. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that was, you know, for a powerful message, you know, the whole point of them doing that was, you know, in, in for social injustice, you know, and, and uh, for the, especially for the African-American members of the team, uh, a couple of them were, were along with us on the hike and I mean, they they made it very clear how much it meant to them that all these teammates joined. I mean, gosh, ugh, it was at least a dozen of them because like so many teammates were around the country. You know, this is the, the time where everyone's, you know, most of people are back home, Arizona, Washington, you know, where all these other places the girls were from. So, yeah, there was a good amount of girls that participated in it. Most of them Albuquerque natives, some of them not. Yeah, so that was hard to top for me because I hiked up a freaking mountain <laughs> with them and had some great conversations, like I said, and uh, got to know some more about these girls way off the pitch. You know, like I learned a lot about what these girls are majoring in and, you know, what kind of makes them tick and got to see some uh, sense of humors, you know, that I didn't know existed amongst the team. Leilani Baker being one of them, she was hilarious. Um, yeah, that was really neat. And I mean, look, I got to do, you know, quite a few zooms and some stories with the team throughout the season. But I mean, that was way before the season ever started, before we even knew they were going to have one. 
And that was a, a very special, that's going to be an assignment that sticks out for my whole career. That was a really cool experience. Yeah. I'd say you probably got your steps in for sure. Oh my goodness. I, I almost hit 30,000 on the day, but just from the hike was like 23 or something. I, I couldn't even move the rest of the day. I came, I came back to my garage. I was still doing sports casts in my garage at the time. So I came back and I edited the piece in my garage. I did a stand up up at the mountain too. So I usually have to do like a, an on air thing in my garage, but I sent them the piece like, Hey, here's all the footage. I'm in the piece. So you don't need to see me in the garage. Just air that. So yeah, needless to say, I got the steps in for sure. That's when I was still counting my steps a lot. Nice. I, I think about some of the one V ones I did. I mean, I just did a couple this season, obviously just kind of, you know, if we're trying to take, you know, a bit of the coverage we do at Seek and Strike from just, you know, obviously writing the written coverage to, you know, how can we give these ladies like a little bit more of a platform, you know, to kind of put their voice out there about, you know, things that are important to them, as well as just kind of highlighting their stories. And, you know, just one thing that really stuck out to me is just I just really didn't know much about them. And, you know, I mean, yeah, you could you could, you know, notice their social media profiles and kind of get a bit of their personality and stuff. But man, like you know, there's a lot of stuff that really isn't out there about a lot of them. And, you know, the one that sticks out to me is like Alexa Curtin. Like, I mean, like she's like a part of an athletic family. I mean, her, her mom played soccer. Her dad's like a professional hockey player, right? Or he was, you know, and, you know, so that was killer, you know, or that she grew up like around the rink, you know, but she just, you know, as much as she was out there handling stick, you know, or skating, you know, soccer was just her love and her mom went to Colorado college. So that's like, those are like little things you like learn later in the season. You know, last season, Alexa Curtin got that. If you remember that 40 yard banger from outside of the 18 on Colorado college for that one nil win. Right. So, I mean, things like that, probably what kind of conversations do they have, you know, at home about that? Right. Like you discord on your alma mater. Right. That's, that's crazy. So, um, you know, it was just good to to be able to learn about them, you know, and, and to hear so much more about other things that, that go on, like, off the pitch, you know. And, you know, so, I mean, you know, we're just contributing to all that we're, we're talking about right now. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, just to add on to that real quick, Chris, some occupations that I'm aware of that the girls on the team are pursuing are Malice, uh, Malia Venisi did a piece on her following her dad's footsteps to being a police officer. That's really a really cool thing uh, to watch her do. It's an admirable thing right now, especially, you know, what's going on in the world of, of uh, the police force. Um, Kate Browning wants to be a physician's assistant and Gwen Malley studying, uh, gonna, uh, she got into med school at UNM. So uh, yeah, those are, you know, those are the things that I enjoy the most learning what, the, what everyone is majoring in and just what they're thinking about in the future. Cause it's a hard thing. You know, I, I think a couple of us have been out of college for a while. Some of us for a second, like Tyler. Um, it's kind of scary to think about what you're doing after college and to see some girls have some stuff figured out to a high level is it's inspiring, you know, because it's like, man, when I was that age, I, I mean, I did know what I wanted to do, but because I do, totally wanted to do this. Um, but I knew that I was in the rare company, you know, like there was m most of my friends had no clue. So it's really neat to see you know, them have some plans outside of soccer. It was kind of a shocker to me actually to learn that, that they all have these different aspirations because I mean, I don't know. I just think that your your scholarship soccer player, you probably want to go and 
play professionally. That's, I guess that's the way I looked at it, you know, but it's interesting that it's like, okay, well that was fun. Now I'm going to go do this other thing. So, you know, and, but I mean, I think in the past, at least one or two of the different players have submitted their names into the NWSL draft, whether or not they got drafted, you know? Well, that's another thing you brought up. The, the opportunities are far more limited for women's soccer players. So it, the student athlete perspective is highlighted for them um, because they realize, unfortunately, you know, there's, there's just not that many opportunities available um, for them. And so they have to take advantage of it. And you, you bring up a scholarship. Well, most of them actually aren't on full scholarship. Um, so they're, they're splitting scholarships. They have a quarter really scholarship. Um, so they know that. Yeah. The Olympic sports, most of these athletes are not on full scholarship. Um, and so the coach has to distribute that um, and has to figure it out between the players. So they really do. Most of them, you know, if it, it's what matters to them, you know, really do take the student part of it seriously because of just that point, you know, it's soccer is fantastic. And I'm sure all of them want that opportunity and some are going to be able to pursue it. We've seen, you know, Jim Munez, you know, playing down in Mexico that there's some opportunities, but it's still so limited. So that's why, you know, when you, you learn about them, what they're doing, um, it even, you know, it reinforces the fact that, yeah, these are, legit student athletes that are still grinding in the classroom and also end up being pretty good soccer players. What are some of your thoughts about this, this topic, Tyler? Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, with JJ touching on, on Jen, you know, she was a, a late addition to that NWSL draft went undrafted and now she's probably one of the best players for Club America, you know, down there uh, in Mexico. And, you know, we're, we're friends. I, I see her all the time on social media, whether she's at, you know, the Azteca or, or wherever, uh, playing at these, you know, massive, massive stadiums. Um, you know, it's, it's really, really cool to see. Uh, but yeah, you know, like JJ said, the, the opportunities are, are a lot more limited. But uh, in that vein, I would like to, you know, say that as the game of soccer grows here in America, those opportunities are, are also growing. You know, mm -hmm. we're we're seeing the NWSL uh, on ESPN, uh, you know, places that we've never seen it before. The accessibility to these games uh, is, is a lot uh, more broad, I feel like, than, than ever before. Um, so while it is nice to, to see these girls, you know, really putting their heads down in, in the academic portion of it, and they do very well, um, I think we've seen you know, the, this Lobo women's team had a, a cumulative GPA of like a high 3.9 or something like that. It was it was uh, incredibly high. But um, yeah, you know, I, I do feel like these opportunities as far as women's soccer are, are starting to grow. And hopefully we're going to see a lot more uh, professional women's soccer players coming out of the University of New Mexico because we know that they have the talent. You know, we, we've seen it year in, year out. Uh, and especially here just in New Mexico itself. JJ touched on the, the 40 players that they had on the roster. There was like 12 or 13 of them are from New Mexico. Um, so not only is the talent on the roster, it's it's here within this state. And if New Mexico United can build a stadium, which they fully plan on doing if everything can line up financially, the NWSL highly likely is coming to Albuquerque because that's what Peter Trippasani wants to do. So that would be a huge thing for a uh, for the Lobos, because there's your local avenue right there to go to go pro. Because there's there's certainly professional um, prospects every year on, on the Lobo women's roster. Because Heather Dyke is a nationally renowned recruiter. You know, she, I mean, yes, she recruits New Mexico very well, but she recruits 
the country very well. Yeah, she really does. I mean, look, Washington, yeah. California, like yeah. you kind of see the pipeline of where she's pulling these players from. Yeah, she's got her spots for sure. But um, I mean, that's, you know, there's a reason why she's involved with U.S. soccer at the level she's at. You know, she's very bright. She's very knowledgeable um, and, and very likable. I mean, she, you know, she she's done a whole lot in her career. I mean, look, her career is not that long. She hasn't been doing this that long. And to be at the level she's at, you know, it's it's pretty fascinating to see uh, what she's done now and what she can continue to accomplish, you know, in the next decade or so. And even, you know, more so on that note, Brandon, I feel like we're, we would be lucky if, if Heather decides to stick around for the next handful of years, um, just yeah. given her success and, and what she was able to do, obviously, this year, uh, given all of the circumstances around and, and given her resume, um, you know, granted, she does have family here and her parents are here and everything else. Uh, but you, you gotta, you're, you're full of you think that her phone's not ringing. You can only work on the home hometown discount for so long, you know what I mean. <laughs> Especially when you're when you've become the level of a coach that Heather has become. Yeah, her phone's definitely been ringing off the hook ever since the NCAA tournament. Probably even leading up to the tournament and afterwards, you know that their schools a, a calling because that's just the belly of the beast in in, in the college game, especially <laughs> when a coach makes the NCAA tournament for a first time, especially in the co in college soccer, but I think in, in, in any sport, basketball, baseball, football, you name it, when you take a team to new heights, it gets national attention. So you know her phone's been ringing. So hopefully the Lobos can you know step up and, and do whatever they got to do to keep her. Well, and, and, and speaking of that, the tournament, right? So Heather Dyke called that the standard, right? The, this is the standard for, for New Mexico. I mean, she realized like, they pushed through a new a new boundary. I mean, previous seasons obviously going to tournament, but you know, with this being this season being truncated, I mean, it provided a different window, right? They they kicked it out, and so the new standard. I mean, that's that's huge when you consider what this program is. And and look, they're even bringing back what the majority of this this same roster for huge the most core. part. A huge core for sure. So, I mean, what, what do you guys make of that, you know, of her kind of realizing like, okay, this is like, this is the standard. So this now becomes like Heather Dyke football, if you will, for soccer. Right, right. And look, hopefully she comes back. Hopefully she signs a long-term contract. And because that's step one, she's got to come back for this to be the standard because she's the one that sets the tone. You know what I mean? She's the one that's, that's the manager of the club and, you know, the director of operations, like she runs the show very, very well. So let's just assume she's coming back. Yeah, she's got this great core of returners. Um, quite a few girls got an extra year of eligibility uh, from COVID. Um, but I mean, again, back to her recruiting, you know, she recruits as good as anyone in the country when it comes to the transfer portal and the high school level. Yeah, I mean, she has continued to build the program higher and higher and higher. And yeah, this year it's the highest, it's the best it's ever been. So yeah, if she's coming back, the standard's going to continue. And it just wouldn't be surprising to see them continue to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, when you look at these very successful, uh, you know, pro sports franchises from around the country, you know, you you look at the New England Patriots when it, when it comes to football all of that stuff starts at the top. It, it starts at the top. And if Heather's able to, to set that precedent, 
um, and really instill that culture within the program, uh, that's that's going to go far, far, far longer than, you know, hopefully uh, then she'll be around uh, because that's just going to be the norm. You know, that'll be the standard per se. I think the, the big thing too where, with, with Heather is the other stuff she does um, with, you know, the only female on the CONCACAF educational board, the U.S. national team stuff, um, that keeps her occupied enough where I don't think she's looking at a power conference job just for the heck of it. Like, she loves New Mexico. This is where she's from. She went to El Dorado High School. Um, and one of the – speaking of stories that came out um, – before they left for the NCAA tournament and she was talking about when she, she went to Nebraska, she got a scholarship to play at Nebraska out of El Dorado and it just wasn't quite working out there. And she almost transferred back to the university of New Mexico to become a basketball player. Cause Don Flanagan was her coach in high school and she loved Don Flanagan that much. Of course, you know, Don Flanagan uh, pretty much built you and a women's basketball into what it is today. Um, but she stayed with soccer and obviously it put her on a good path. But I think that you know, shows just how important this place is to her. And there's, a, and, and I don't, you know, anyone looking at an opportunity, if it's bigger, you know, more financial stability, all that stuff is fine. But I think she has so much going on and she's still been able to attain that high level while working at UNM that I don't think anyone needs to be worried anytime soon that she's going to be bouncing somewhere else. And I think we definitely got to, we, de we definitely got to just, go around the room and just talk about those, those uh, tournament matches, because, you know, this obviously, uh, that was obviously a, a big thing for, for level women's soccer. But I mean, what did you guys think of the, uh, the match with Navy? You know, just obviously none of us could be there. I'm sure I would have loved for you two to both be calling that, but what did you guys think of that match? I think anyone from New Mexico would have preferred to hear anyone else call that game <laughs> except for the crew that was on it, especially wanting JJ and Tyler on it. Um, I'll, I'll go first on it real quick because, uh, yeah, you know, when you're watching on a live stream this big of a match, you know, that's a lead story in your sports cast. I mean, I, I, we were sitting on the edge of our seats, you know, the whole time. Um, they go down, what, in the first minute? And you're like, oh, this has never happened to them this season. How are they going to respond? And, you know, they eventually, was it Alicia tied it up? Um, and then the penalty kicks was, were, were nuts. Uh, I'm curious, JJ and Tyler, what's, what was going through your guys' minds watching the PKs? Because you guys have been a part of some matches with some PKs. Yeah, Tyler, go ahead, man. Start. Uh, uh, I I was uh, kind of cracking up after the very first round of PKs where, you know, we missed it. They made it, and all of a sudden, maybe we're, we're the winners. Yeah, maybe <laughs> wins two one. I think for the exact words. You, you and you and Jeff properly. There. You and Jeff properly showed a soundbite of that the next day. It, that was that was proper. That was bad. You had it. You had to yeah. Point that out. That was okay. so bad. Um, but I mean, uh, you know, as as being a, a soccer fan myself, um, I absolutely despise penalty kicks. Uh, I feel like that is the absolute worst way to decide a winner, especially in a match of that magnitude. Um, so when it comes down to penalty kicks, it, it's, it's a crap shoot, man. You know, you're, you're always on the edge of your seat. You're biting your fingernails. You're just, you're hoping uh, whoever it is that, you know, is, is either misses the shot or, or the shot, their shot is saved. You're hoping they're not on our team. Uh, so that, that's kind of what was going on through my head. But 
um, you know, just to, to touch base on that game, um, I think for the Lobos being scored on that early, given their defensive record all season long, I think that threw them off their game just right off the bat. Uh, the offense looked very stagnant. Um, you know, JJ and I were texting during that game, and it, it, it looked like they had their feet stuck in mud uh, on defense. They were chasing shadows all that first half. So um, seeing the way that Navy was able to play against us, it it looked exactly what like the Lobos would do all season where they were able to, you know, press high, they were controlling possession. Um, so I was, I was shocked to, to see the way that the, that match started. And, um, you know, thankfully the Lobos were able to pull through, uh, but I'm not going to lie. I was, I was sweating for a while watching that yeah. one. And real, real quick, JJ and Chris, where do you guys stand on PKs? Cause I, I happen to love them. I've seen state championships on the high school level. Mm-hmm be decided by PKs, World Cups. I mean, look, I'm a soccer fan, but I'm not nearly at the level of, of, of you three. And But as, as that as that level of a soccer fan, I, I happen to like them a lot. What do you, JJ and Chris, what do you guys think of them? Oh, man. Go ahead, JJ. Well, I'm with Tyler on it's it's a coin flip. It's At that point in time, yeah. it's not about skill. It's about did I guess right? No, did I go the right direction? Um, so I understand that point. But also, you've – in this case, you know, you've played 110 minutes. You know, at some point in time, you're going to have to figure out a way to decide a contest because if it gets to 150, 200 minutes, it's like, all right, what are we doing here? So it, it just gets to a point where you gotta, you gotta decide it, and it's 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 on PKs. But it's it's like the equivalent of a basketball game being decided by free throws, a free throw contest, or you know, something like that. Yeah, it's it's totally yeah. it's 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 different, but it's, it's just yeah. it, it's really tough because you you can have all the skill. But it's just about like one wrong guess, and you lose, you know, five foreign PKs because you dove left and a shot went right. So it's <laughs> one of those situations. Yeah, I'm kind of. I for me, it's just like, yeah, you, this is a dominant team, okay, and they they played this way all season, as as has been reiterated here, and you know, to go through two of those golden goals where it's like, you know, you still just kind of go back to man, if Alicia had somehow drained that PK, she got right from the spot, I mean, we, we could have just kind of got out of here. And especially considering the way San Diego State went, you know, with that late, like, what, four-second wrap on the pole, like, shot. I mean, it just it just did not – I just we didn't need that sort of karma coming back around. So when, when it came to the PKs, it was like, oh, my God. Like, you know, the first one, you know, and again, like, that dude just kind of threw <laughs> – he threw me off, man, when he was like, they won. And I was like, wait. I was like, no, they didn't. Did he just like, say that? What? I was like, how and then the rest. Al- by the way, how was he allowed to call any more games after that? He was. Well, he, he was definitely hugging the pillow hard on after that because it was like you didn't really hear him for the next three kicks. He didn't know what was it, going on. It yeah, just became just golf talk. It was like real calming and. Well, when the Lobos kicked the winning goal and Matty Hirschman kicked the winning goal, he's like, okay. I guess it's over now. (laughs) (laughs) Looking around, are we sure? And it's unfortunate, man, because you look Uh, at they had the men's and women's tournament going on at the same time, and they're they're streaming all the games, and so they ran out of broadcasters. It's still not acceptable to be doing that in an NCAA tournament at all, because these guys are definitely dudes know, that they, they had time to plan ahead. <laughs> you know they had time I, to plan their puns yeah, ahead. I don't know. They yeah. definitely did. And yeah. it, it's hard, man. Cause I've, I've had my, it, 
this ain't easy. And everyone knows, like everyone thinks when you're on, like you're doing a radio show or, oh, you do sports on the news. That's, that must be easy. It's like, no, like this, this stuff isn't easy. So, you know, I've been there, done that, making mistakes, but that was, that was hard. It was cringeworthy because they were two high school football dudes doing an NCAA tournament game. And those, those athletes deserve better. Yeah. I mean, Tyler and JJ, like you two, like when I listen to it, like, the things you say, and I'm not just saying it because you guys are on here, but it's like you guys just are just on brand. Like there's you're never like cracking like some some joke. Like, I mean, this guy said walk the plank and he, they're playing navy. I just thought, like, <laughs> wow, dude, like that is so well, tasteless. If you listen closely, Tyler Tyler gets his uh his good ones in there. <laughs> yeah, you he throw, does. You throw <laughs> stuff I hear the witty stuff in there. But no, you guys are pros. Oh no, I agree with Chris, man. You guys are both <laughs> you guys are both very professional about the way you go, go about play by play. And I gotta say, as someone that's been in sports broadcasting for 10 years, I appreciate play by play and color commentating as much as anyone in the world, man. It's a very hard job and you guys go about it in a very professional way. So I appreciate whenever you guys are calling games. You guys do always you guys do a very good job. Well and a fan more compliments their way because they've each each had these marquee calls that we keep hearing in the Lobo goal reels. I'm sure this year we'll see those too. Tyler, Mr. Get the trophy. That wasn't I mean, me. I that keep thinking me. it was I swear I keep thinking it's you, but it's that JJ, was, I know. That was JJ. I know. I know. I, it I, sounds I, like you. So I have to give I you half credit, but back. JJ. The moment comes for the get the trophy play, moment. Play the clip. Let's hear it. I wish <laughs> I wish I even had it. I will I will ask for that clip and get it in this podcast. But tell me what was going through your mind when you blurted that out. I, it was honestly something I, I hadn't thought about it beforehand. You know, I don't necessarily try to think of what I'm going to say. I like to have words in my head throughout a game to try to differentiate things, not get caught up on one thing. But I, I lo- just kind of want the moment to play out yeah. organically. And yeah, it was yeah. that's cool when the goal went in and I just saw everyone run into the sideline in my head. It was kind of like, just run to the trophy, like go grab it right now. You've earned it. Just get it and celebrate. Yeah. I'm sorry, Tyler. It just, it's, it sounds like you, I just, man, I, well, Tyler, what would you have said? That's, that's my, that's my hypothetical. What would you have said? Oh, goodness. Uh, I mean, kind of like JJ, just kind of let it play out organically. I probably would have said, you know, Lobos, your, your Mountain West champions just kept it rather simple. I, I, I definitely wouldn't have thought of get the trophy um, like JJ did there. So um, that on a t-shirt I, for next year. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe I need a hashtag. There you go. I'll be right that ASAP. <laughs> get that money. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Kind of a last open-ending question for you all, but what do you love about WOSA? What do you love about women's soccer? These sweet mm. shirts. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I a mean, it's a, a people, man, right, Tyler? Like it's it's a relationships, and yeah. I do think um, women's sports kind of what we touched on a little bit is not given the credit it deserves. Uh, I think that there's so many amazing athletes out there, and I've experienced it more so than ever. Um, you know, this, this past year is my first, um, doing UNM women's basketball, the radio public play announcer, but it's just, you watch the game with, and the skill and the, the passion and it's same level, 
that we see from anything else that we watch. It's just they need the platform. And I think this year was fantastic for the women. But what it's going to do is people are going to be interested next year. Like they're not going to forget about this and they shouldn't forget about it. And it's just continuing to do things like this, having conversations, getting the stories out there. And then people realizing, you know what, that's a fantastic product. Those athletes deserve just as much attention. Yeah, I think for me, like on the field, just the the raw uh, technical ability that that these women need to possess. You know, it's it's not like the men where they're relying, uh, you know, sixty percent of the time on, on their just raw athleticism. These girls have to have their footwork down. They have to be technically sound in everything they do. Uh, but off the pitch, like JJ said, it's it's the connection that you have you know it's, it's everybody in the booth from carlos to sophia uh to bill to jj and chase you know uh every time we all get together you know there's probably what about seven or eight of us in in the press box um and it, it's it's just like hanging out with friends every time you know and, and we get to we get to watch sports and we get to talk about it um and at the end of the day that that's really what it all boils down to i think and uh you know with unfortunately the men's program being cut over the past couple of years like JJ said, these women are finally getting that attention that they rightfully deserve. Yeah, and I, and I'll take it off the field because you know you you two do a, JJ and Tyler, you guys do a great job of uh, calling these games and you know breaking down as many of the achievements and stats throughout the year. It's I, I love this conversation, the collection of people we have in this conversation because you guys get to do that on a game by game game by game basis. My job is more so to pop in during the week and highlight what they're doing off the field. And that, that and, you know, that's what I've got to learn the most. I, I, I feel like I know way more about what their majors are than how many goals and assists these girls have, you know, cause that, that's kind of what I've focused on. And, and, uh, I remember the last time I saw Heather before the NCAA tournament, we had a media day with four of the players. I remember Gwen, Jaden, Emily Mm -hmm. and oh my gosh, I'm forgetting your name. She's so, she's so awesome too. Oh, I'm going to keep, okay. I'll remember it in a second, but there was four (laughs) girls and afterwards Heather and I did a one-on-one and uh, we were getting the camera set up and she's like, weren't the girls great today? I was like, yeah, they're awesome coach. She's like, no, I really like these girls are, I love this team so much. These girls are so awesome. They're so fun to be around. I got to go to like a handful of practices this year, took my son to a couple and yeah, it's, it's a great group to be around and I'm really enjoying, uh, you know, being, being around women's sports as much as I am with the men's sports. JJ, you talked about women's basketball, uh, big fan of what they do off the field too. You know, like I'm a big fan of, of, of everything the Lobos are doing on and off the field. So I, I, I've definitely learned a ton uh, this year about the women's soccer team off the field. And I really look forward to continuing to learn more. Yeah. Women's soccer has definitely been, <clears throat> I mean, gosh, like, you know, I started, you know, covering Albuquerque FC. That was kind of like my introduction to women's soccer in this, in this state, you know, by the time Seacon Strike started and, you know, then obviously being able to continue on to Lobo soccer as, you know, some of the, some of the girls played, you know, for Albuquerque FC came into, into playing, for the team and then of course you know others went to other other colleges but it's been nice just to be able to just kind of stay up on what they're doing and just to see their their accomplishments and 
you know, you're seeing the story unfold in front of your eyes. I mean, you know, with these injuries and being able to recover and play like seasons that wouldn't have really happened if the timing were any different or, you know, something like Leilani Baker, I think Heather said she could be eligible, but wouldn't be eligible for fall. Like she could still play another year. It's possible, but she'd have to wait till like 2022. So it's like, you know, will she, that'd be, that's like a mystery. Right. But you know, things like that, but then also just seeing them accomplish it. Um, I sat like very high up in the stands for that conference final. And I mean, besides the fact that it was really cold <laughs> that high up, um, you know, all the elements kind of came in. We had a little drizzle, you know, to go with that sort of late, that late goal. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I sat there, you know, as the music was playing, you know, Queen was playing. And, you know, I think I, I shed a couple tears because it was really nice to see the culmination of what they've worked hard for come to fruition in a way that was like designed for them. I mean, home field advantage, you know, and, and that was just so amazing. So it's like to go forward into another season where, you know, you're going to see the majority of this, this squad kind of come back and they're going to be obviously looking to defend their regular season title and, and push on further. I mean, obviously the the stakes could be different with a tournament returning if that's the case, but still, you know, women's soccer, it's, 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 it's so hardcore, man. It's so gritty. Like, there's no BS on the field. They're not rolling around, like, playing the part. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like they go hard. You know, global women's soccer goes hard. And for anyone listening to this, like, if you haven't checked out, like, any of the games because you maybe you just couldn't get into women's soccer before for what or whatever your preconceived notion is, like, you need to get out to a match because they go hard. Yeah, they're tremendous. And, like, just to piggyback off of that, we saw, I think it was against San Diego State, where Gwen Malley gets hurt literally in the first 10 minutes of the game, oh, yeah. you know, and, and that, yeah, yeah. She mm-hmm. took that, that ball straight to the face while she was on the ground and she comes back and she keeps playing, you know, she keeps playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I think that really shows, you know, the, the grit and the toughness that, that these girls have. Uh, but I, I'd like to ask you guys, uh, now that the season is wrapped up, you know, we, we've seen all the final stats, we've seen all the final numbers. Um, who would you guys pick as, as perhaps, I guess, the, the most uh, not valuable player per se, but I guess the most important player on the on the women's soccer team. Ooh, that's hard. But I would, if I have to pick someone, um, Alicia Garcia probably was, especially down the stretch, the most impactful player, I feel like. I mean, but dude, it's, it's hard. You could, you could pick 10 of them, really, if you really think about it. There, there are so many great, uh, unsung heroes, but Alicia, I feel like deserves um, some praise for the, not only the goal scoring, but the playmaking, some of the best assists, uh, most important assists of the season came from her. Um, yeah, I'll go with her. I think she she's a stud and uh, looking forward to what she does with the Lobos moving forward. Yeah, she stuck out to me for sure. I mean, you know, just, I mean, I think about when I sat down with her, I mean, she wanted to set a mark and she did with the goal scoring, you know, the four goals in the match, but then also, I mean, she scored all the goals in, in the tournament, you know, and, you know, but she also, you know, played a huge part with the assists that night, you know, um, in the final. So to me, like seeing some of these honors come out, like, it's like, yes, those are good honors, but man, I, I, 
personally kind of felt like Alicia Garcia got like missed on a couple of them. Yeah, I think, for sure. personally. For sure. I, th- I think people <laughs> paid a little too much attention to, uh, to, 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 to get a little too statistical about it, but it's hard when, you know, you don't see every single match. She's also hilarious, by the way. Yeah. She, the last, yeah. the last one-on-one zoom we did, she did it with her hat sideways. And I was like, you're going to do it like that. She's like, yeah. I'm like, swag dude all right let's go. i didn't realize that the 24 was the kobe thing either i had no idea oh that makes sense she's got a black mamba mentality for mm-hmm. sure oh my gosh that makes so much sense yeah good call so if we go the heather dyke answer to this question would be alexa Curtin, um because she yes. could not stop raving about alexa yeah. all season long just that being is that true. defensive anchor there in the midfield oh, yeah. my favorite player to watch is um edwards um, I love Iverson on the pitch. Her creative ability. Um, we're sitting there talking about goal scorers, this or that. She scored six the previous season, only had one. And this team still scored 25 goals on the season. So that just highlights the, the depth of talent that they have. Um, but then she stepped up with Garcia in the Mountain West Finals. She's just my favorite player to watch. But for this question to see who stood out to me most this year, Carly Mays. Um, at the yeah. center back position, yep. for what she did defensively, and then she can – carry the ball herself up the pitch and then she drops dimes anytime you're sitting there it could be out like oh you're just over the center line probably defenders not paying attention and she'll drop that ball uh, like on the penalty spot she'll put it right there top of the the six yard box and i thought she had a fantastic season dude did you know that she played forward before she was a center back i can i can see that with her ability on the ball versatile hey real quick a quick shout out to jalen hendren that's who I was forgetting was in the media day. Okay. And I feel terrible for forgetting her because she's unbelievable. So shout out to her. Yeah. She was another, you know, that's another example of someone that was like an unsung hero yeah. in soccer. There's so many players that play pivotal roles that you can't see what they do in stats, you know? Yeah. Like, so what is your answer, Tyler? Yeah, Tyler. You, you took my answer. You took my answer. It was Carly Mays. <laughs> oh, it was uh, Mays. I mean, yeah. It, yeah, it was Carly Mays. You know, her delivery off of set pieces was was absolutely lethal. And like you said, JJ, we saw her actually get forward for a run and finish upper ninety um, on just a one touch finish, uh, which it, it was it was incredible. Um, we could talk all day and night about Emily Johnson in between the sticks, but the fact of the matter is, a lot of the time Emily didn't have a lot to do. And that mm-hmm. was because of that back line. The curtain, like you mentioned, uh, in, as the holding midfielder there. Uh, but Carly Mays, I thought, was was my standout player this year. Nice, nice. Well, gentlemen, I've really appreciate. <laughs> I've I've really appreciated your time. You know, I, I appreciate you guys giving me this hour uh, for us to sit down and talk global women's soccer. You know, it's been awesome hearing each of your different perspectives and some of the things you guys got to do. I think that. We're, we're each uniquely there in a different vantage point, thinking different things, doing different things, but it all comes together and it makes for great conversations like this. Um, where can people find you for more of your musings on the internet? We'll start with you, JJ. Oh, well, for me, um, you can catch me Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 a.m. on the opening drive, 95.9 FM, radio show I do with Jeff Simbieta. Uh My Twitter, it's underscore JJ Bucky. You can hop on there. Follow me and uh, definitely always out and about around the town. Catch me at Lobo events, United events, you name it, and probably see me out there. Tyler, where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me uh, starting here this Saturday, actually, on ESPN Plus, uh, doing play-by-play for New Mexico United uh, home games. 
Uh, obviously also on Estrella TV throughout the state of New Mexico for those games as well. Uh, I am on Twitter at Ty Ortega. Um, and before we pass out to Brandon, I just want to say, Brandon, it's nice to have uh, two Ortegas in a party of four. Usually it's, it's not that way. <laughs> long lost cousin. I'm pretty That's sure right. Tyler's my cousin. I'm pretty sure. Most Ortegas yeah, every, everyone has a, a fourth yeah. or fifth cousin in New Mexico, no doubt. So. Most Ortegas yeah. I meet end up being related to me. So we're going to have to yeah. do some. 23 and me, right? What's that website, Ancestry.com. <laughs> we're going to hit up Ancestry.com. I'm pretty sure we're related in some fashion. Um, yeah, for me, at uh, Brandega on Twitter, KOB.com. Um, no New Mexico game day right now for the time being, which is a long time high school sports show. We are doing a lot of high school coverage at KOB right now, but New Mexico game day is going to be back next fall officially. Um, yeah, KOB, Channel 4, NBC affiliate. Having a blast doing that. And, uh, man, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys, man. This was, this was fun. Chris, thank Welcome. you very much for the invite, man. And Chris, yeah, thank does. you, man, because your passion, it definitely mm -hmm. resonates because uh, you're definitely not doing this to, to make money off it like some of us are in, in our careers. So uh, your passion definitely comes across and uh, keep up the good work, man. Yeah, Chris, uh, thanks for being the authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Oh, man. I know the guy who gave me that that slogan. His name is Tyler Ortega. Nice. <laughs> you guys going to be at the presser tomorrow for United? Yep. Cool. I will see you guys there. Right on. I'm going to close this out. You've been listening to We Are Seeking Strike podcast, talking Lobo women's soccer. And next season, we're going to raise somehow. You've been listening to We Are Seeking Strike podcast, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find more USL-related podcasts and written content at bgn.fm. To never miss new content, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Seek and Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.